0: Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living.
1: Hello, my name is Sabrina Wierzynski and recently I was baptized. My name is Sabrina Wierzynski and today I am here to claim all that God has for me. I was 10 years old the first time I was baptized by my grandfather who was the deacon of our small town church. God was at the center of my grandparents' home. They were amazing examples of God's many blessings. Throughout my life, I have taken God for granted, and I have always put Him first. He has always shown up for me. He has continuously blessed my life over and over, reminding me gently of His grace and the love that He has for me. Twelve years ago today, my life changed for the better. He blessed me with the greatest of many of my life's gifts, my husband. Today I am excited to receive God as my Lord and Savior to place him at the center of my life at home and for he alone is the anchor of my soul.
0: Amen. Oh, man, I love hearing those stories. Great to see you at church. How you doing this morning? You know, they used to do that little thing, I, I think it might have been American Bandstand or something like that, where they'd do this thing where it was kind of like this thing. You didn't quite get up there. Let's try uh, this way, right? And not how that went? Do it one more time. How are we doing, church? Good. All right, good. That's good. I'm glad. We're glad you're with us this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, would you take them and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. I debated, I debated this week. I was going to focus in on one passage and yet I wanted us to see a trend uh, a picture that comes together out of the book of Ephesians on this whole idea of being repurposed and so we're going to do that today we're going to go to several passages of scripture we're going to move pretty fast but I think it'll all come together with the idea that the Lord wants us to focus on this morning We started on a a series called Repurpose a couple of weeks ago how God loves to take the old and make it new anyone who's in Christ they're a new creation the old has gone the new has come and it really isn't so much about us discovering a new purpose as much as God bringing us into the purpose that he's always had for us in store, we talked about when a person comes to Christ, He washes us. That means our stay, our stain of sin has been has been taken away. We've been sanctified, set aside for a holy purpose. We've been justified. It means my record has been expunged when we come to Jesus Christ. Last week we talked about the fact that God answers in His Word the three great questions that all of humanity really ask, and nobody else can answer. And that is, is why am I here? does my life even matter and what is my life purpose? Now today I'm going to hone it in a little bit more and we're going to focus on this whole idea of giving God glory with our lives. Uh, Westminster Catechism, in fact it's orthodoxy, this is agreed upon, the kind of the church universal, that the primary man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Our number one purpose of all of humanity, certainly those who are believers in Christ, is to bring God glory, to glorify God, and to enjoy Him forever. What does it mean to glorify God? Um, This last week, we partnered with uh, Missionary Church USA uh, for a prayer awakening conference. They held it in Mishawak, Indiana. We were a simulcast site. And uh, it was a great time. In fact, we've been doing this, I think, now four years. And and, uh, the teaching this year, if you like biblical teaching, it was so rich so good and uh, it's actually online now or it should be this week I, I verified it i called them and said hey is this going to get on there if you go to the missionary church usa or hopefully by tomorrow afternoon we'll be able to get a link on our website but you go to missionary church usa and just do the prayer awakening and watch those man if you want some great teaching that will inspire you man it, it was just good stuff anyway the speaker uh, pastor dennis talked about this whole idea of bringing God glory I thought man that is so interesting that's where I'm going this weekend he, he made an interesting comment I hadn't, hadn't realized this but he said in the Old Testament Hebrew to glorify God or to bring glory to God it means weighty um, heavy and, and he brought this up uh, you know 40 years ago that was in our vocabulary that that's heavy or if you had longer hair you go man that's heavy you know that kind of a thing and to to say that something is heavy means that it's impressive man that's incredible that's impressive to bring God glory means that we are showing people how impressive he is not us it's not about us being impressive although obviously maybe that's how we do that it's not about bringing attention to ourselves it's about showing his impressiveness through our lives now if you begin to get that another way of saying to glorify god means that we are called to worship god i think you could almost use those interchangeably We are to worship God. And you're saying, wait a minute, you mean how do we do church? How do we come together? No, 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 it's bigger than that. Your entire life, my entire life is to bring glory to God. Yeah, we come together for an hour, maybe two, maybe a little bit in the midweek, maybe get in a small group. That brings glory to God. But every moment of our day, everything we do is a worship service to God to bring him glory. And in the book of Ephesians, Paul Talks about how we worship god with every aspect of our life and there are three areas I want to share with you today next week We're going to take a look at a different concept, but it really goes along with this But there are three areas in which we worship god Now the first one is found in chapter one If you take your bibles and turn there or take your note sheets or your app or you version or whatever you're using We worship god When we live in his grace Now you might be saying to yourself pastor everybody lives in his grace and that's true Uh, to live in God's grace means grace means that God has given us something we don't deserve mercy means that God hasn't given us something we do deserve it's kind of a flip side of the same coin but Paul says in the book of Galatians that you know what not everybody lives or embraces his grace he says you foolish Galatians Is it possible you started by faith, you started by grace, and now you're trying to keep it in yourself? And so when we live in God's grace, when he works in our life, when we show the riches of God's mercy in our life, it worships him, it brings glory to him. In fact, Paul says it this way, verse 4, chapter 1. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. By the way, you don't think God cares? Whether or not we live holy and blameless lives, it brings glory to him. He he says he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance to his good pleasure and will. What? To the praise of his glorious grace, which he freely has given us in the one he loves. Uh, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, in accordance with the riches of God's grace He didn't just give it to us, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. In him we were chosen. Why? Verse 12, in order that we, who were the first to put hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. Three times in this passage, he says that when we embrace his grace, when we accept what he's done for us, when we live in that, It brings glory to him. It shows his impressiveness. It shows his love. It shows his grace. It shows his mercy. And and in fact, Jesus said this when he talked about the most important uh, Old Testament law. He said hear O Israel hear this the Lord our God is one love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength God wants us to just love him and bring glory to him now how do we do that how do we worship we could do a whole my goodness we could do a week seminar on this but there are two ways I want to talk about That we bring worship to God. And we worship God, number one, when we set our attention on him. When we give God attention, it brings him glory. It worships him. Um, Some of you have heard of, what is it, ADHD, right? It's attention deficit. Is it what, hyperactive, uh, hyperactive disorder disorder? Uh, in other words, me. <laughs> it's kind of me. I, I have a little bit of this. We were at a restaurant yesterday and met some new friends, had some uh, l- a little bit longer term friends. It was loud. It was one of those things where you just had to yell to hear each other. We were sitting next to a, a new couple and I looked over at him. I said, man, this is like the worst possible combination for me I have hearing loss in my left ear so whenever I whenever I'm talking in a place like that I always put my ear towards you so I can hear you and then I'm also mildly ADHD and so and then they had 15 TV screens in the place I mean I was like this you know what I was I was like those dogs in the movie up you ever watch that movie if you have it Tammy and I watched it like a week ago man what a good movie the dogs can talk in the movie Up, and while they're talking to you, they just simply all of a sudden they go, "Squirrel!" Can I tell you? Not the world. The church. We. We have a little squirrel problem. Oh Lord, I love you with all. Squirrel. Oh Lord, I'm going to go and worship. Up, oh, squirrel. Lord, I'm going to serve you with all my. Up, oh, squirrel. Lord, I'm going to do devotions every... Squirrel! We get distracted so easy. Lord, I don't have 15 minutes a day for you. I do, but I don't. I got things going on. This is not to make a big deal about church attendance or anything like that, but you know what? I kind of feel like when I show up, that in and of itself is saying, hey, Lord, you're worth the time. Or when I sit at the TV and, and I'm, I'm worshiping online, I'm, hey, Lord, you're worth the time. Or when I engage in men, hey, Lord, you're worth the time. It's, it's giving our attention to him. It's just like, just like a, a, a parent shows love to their family when they give attention, right? They eat it up. God wants our attention and so when we spend time either in his word or prayer or embracing or doing communion with others and this whole thing of fellowship it gives him glory it shows his impressiveness we worship him we also worship god when we give him our affection how do we do that well it's it's as if we say out we say i love you or I still do I, when, I, when I got married to Tammy I said I do and once in a while I look at her and I say hey I still do <laughs> and so when we come before the Lord we are surrendering again we're saying Lord I still do you're still, you're still I've made a vow to you and when we say it out loud it brings glory to him it gives affection to him that honestly is one of the most beautiful things about corporate worship Whether it's corporate worship with 10 or 100 or 1,000, we are able to lift our voices together. We come together. Can you imagine as a heavenly father when his kids give attention to him and when they express their affection to him? There's a reason scripture says, shout to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to him a new song. It brings glory to him that's how we worship god and that is part of the purpose of our life is to live embrace his grace number two in chapter two there's a transition he still talks about grace but the second way that we worship god is when we do the work that god has called us to do now you're saying wait a minute pastor We don't earn our salvation. You're exactly right. In fact, he says that in this passage. We don't earn our way to heaven. There's nobody here that's going to be good enough in their own strength to get to heaven. But understand this, when we understand we're on our way to heaven, God actually has a purpose and a plan and he has some stuff for us to do. Now look what he says. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated, this is incredible, and seated us with him in the heavenly realm with Jesus Christ. (laughs) What an incredible thing. We, as believers in Christ, are seated with Christ in the heavenly realm in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. Now here it is. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Say that with me, would you? It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in christ jesus to do good works which god has prepared for us in advance to do did you see that he says now i want to make this really clear (laughs) you are saved by grace it is a gift it is not by works but when god saved you it was for works to do he says i've got stuff for you to do by the way you don't think that brings glory to the god Jesus himself, John chapter 17, when he prays that incredible prayer, he says, Lord, I have brought glory to you by completing the work that you have given me to do. So Jesus modeled it. We're simply emulating it. We're following his lead and example. When you use your talents, your gifts, whatever it is, to do what God has called us to do, you're saying, well, what is it that God wants us to do? I don't know. I mean, I know some of them. But God has some stuff for you to do and he says when you do that you are his workmanship on display. I love this. We are God's workmanship. That phrase means masterpiece on display. I love it. When God says you're his workmanship it means that you are God's masterpiece on display display last week i told you about some of the things that are in my office i brought two of them out these are these are very these are very important to me i love having these in my office and uh, here is a duck uh, by the way it says please do not touch with the smiley face that means uh, i'm happy about it but please don't touch uh, because this is a long-tailed duck as opposed to a short-tailed duck, evidently. Uh, and if you can co- pull in here just a little bit. That's all right. Zoom right on in here. I want them to see this incredible thing. There you go. I want you to see this thing. This thing is remarkable. When you look at this thing, I've got a special shelf for it. I had installed one little accent light just so that it shows. This is, I told you about Pastor Bob last week. This is Pastor, one of his ducks. And I want you to know this is not just a cool duck. This is a this is a, literally a world class duck. He competes, or has competed, on a very high level internationally. This thing looks. I mean, you 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 could swear you can touch and feel the feathers. It's it's wood. It's wood. By the way, I got to check something. Oh, he did. Celebrating God's creation. He told me there was something on the bottom of this thing, and I didn't even know it. Never looked at the bottom before. I just think this thing's beautiful. This painting over here was a gift. My wife commissioned one of the guys in our church, Mike Henry. If you know Mike, his wife Lisa is one of our children's directors. Uh, I got this for Christmas several years ago. It hangs in my office. It is. It means a ton to me. Um, and I say it was commissioned Mike this is the first deer that Mike has ever done in a drawing he, he doesn't do wildlife but he did it for me and so if you look really close you can come up later there's actually a little deer in the woods uh, because I like deer and, uh, and I, I just love this thing Now, can I just tell you something I do once in a while look at these things I, every day every day I'm in my office I see them and I'm, sometimes I'm like wow those are beautiful but I'm not impressed with them I'm impressed with the artist that created them. This block of wood did not create a duck. These watercolors didn't just jump on a a canvas. It reflects the, the artistry of the master. Are you catching what I'm putting down? Your life is God's masterpiece how you do marriage how you parent when we do the feed the hungry partnership at landmark academy when we reach into our community when we touch around the world when we express love and unity as a body of christ when we do relation when we when we are kind or we have good relationships with our neighbors How you are a neighbor reflects on him. Here's workmanship. God has purpose in my life is to worship him by embracing and living in his grace and letting people see that. My purpose is is to do and use every part of my life everything that I do to bring glory and honor to show his you know what I even think a a good sense of humor I think joy I think I think all of that reflects on him somebody this week said that they thought that God had a sense of humor I said I guarantee he does and this is not a joke because we were created in his image our emotion is modeled after him now our emotionalism or our unhealthy emotion anger out of control that is not modeled after him but we actually can express anger because god correctly expresses anger he does it perfectly we we're all messed up with sin so i guarantee i we wouldn't have humor if god didn't allow us to have humor Some of you are saying, Pastor Phil, I wish he'd bless you a little more so that your jokes weren't so corny. I can't do anything about it. It's tainted by sin. (laughs) Number three. We worship him when we engage in his family. Now some aren't going to like me saying this and I can't help it because it's true. And I know that there are many who say, well, you know, we're all God's family. Everybody in the world is God's family. Uh, Okay, that is a wonderful sentiment. It's just not biblical. You ever hear things like that? Man, that's a beautiful truth. It's just not true. We become part of God's family through His Son, Jesus Christ. John says, chapter 1, verse 12, he says, to all who receive Him, To those who believe in his name, he gives them the right to be called children of God. Paul, when he writes to uh, Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, he says, I'm writing these things to you so that you may know how to conduct yourself in God's household, which is the church, the pillar and the truth or the foundation of truth. When we engage in the church, in the body. Now, now, what messes people up is they think, oh, you mean Colonial Woods. No, I mean the church. The, the church universal, which has for us who call this home, this is our local expression. But let me tell you, there's a lot of great churches in the community. It's just simply God wants us to engage with his people. Now look what he says in, John, or in Ephesians 4. He says, As a prisoner for the Lord then, verse 1, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, because there's only one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father over all, who is over all and through all and in all. But each of us, each one of us, He has given us grace as Christ has apportioned it. Verse 11 says, it was he who gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets and some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers, why? To prepare God's people for works of service, why? So that the body of Christ, the church, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith And in the knowledge of the Son of God and we become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. Wow! He says in the way that you do character, humility, kindness, peace, the way you do relationship in unity, you don't think unity is a big deal to God. And by the way, the church of Jesus Christ shows genuine love, respect, and unity. doesn't mean unanimity. That means you agree on everything. Unity means we come together in everything. There is a difference. But in unity, do we live in a world that needs to see that modeled? And oh, by the way, why would we expect the world to model it if the church can't do it? Should have been an amen, but I, I, I just assume. He says in the way you do character in the way that you love each other and then he says and oh by the way the way that you engage by the giftings that I give you and notice what he says these gifts were given so that the body of Christ might be built up isn't it just like Jesus you all everyone here who's a believer in Jesus Christ you have at least one spiritual gift None of you have them all. God did that on purpose so that we'd need each other. But the only way you can use the gift that God has given you is to give it away. Isn't that just like God? You You can't have the gift of mercy and enjoy it if you don't give mercy. Can't have the gift of service unless you serve. Then you enjoy it. I'm going to say something here that please stick with me. You will notice in the book of Ephesians that he changes, he switches from me to we. He talks about how you've been saved. He talks about, he talks about the redemption and the grace that you've experienced. He talks about the riches of Christ. And he moves from, from me and you to we church and here's the deal we can't be we without a whole bunch of individual means but you can't be the me that God wants you to be without the we you can disagree with it but you can't prove it wrong scripturally And I get it. Not everybody can be, because, oh, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. No, you're right. You don't have to, because if you go to church, it doesn't make you a Christian. But I would say this, whether it's online or however it is, and by the way, we probably have about 150, 200 people right now that are engaging with us, because that's how they have to engage with us right now. God designed us for a we, the body of Christ. And when the body of Christ, when the church does this thing not a service although the service is great when we the church are the church it brings glory honor and worship to him it's an incredible thought in fact let me me tell you where it ends up what it ends up doing go back to chapter three if you got your bibles go there chapter three and if you don't have your bibles just take i think it's in your note sheet ephesians you know what there are there are passages of scripture that i have pondered for a decade and this is one of them i i never i never quite grab it it is such an awesome thought to me Paul says that I became a servant of the gospel, of of this gospel gift of God's grace through the work of his power. And he said that his intention was to uh, help understand the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, watch this. Verse 10. His intent, God's intent, was that now, through the church, say that with me, through the church, say it out loud, church. Through the church, his intent, his purpose was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm. Rulers and authorities throughout Scripture doesn't refer to kings and queens and people. It, 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 is, it is the heavenly realm angels, demons, Satan himself. He says, when the church is the church, when the me's become the we, and we embrace who he is, and we are, he says, he says, we express the full measure of who he is. That exact same term is used in Colossians chapter 1 where it says that Christ is, is in his fullness God. It says in every essence, in every aspect of who he is, he is the radiance of God. Now he says the church is called the body of Christ is to be in everything radiance, we represent Christ. We are no longer darkness, Ephesians 5 says. He says, you are the light in Christ. We don't just represent the light, we are the light in Christ. And he says that when the church is the church and we hold forth the incredible richness of his grace, the multifaceted, multi, the incredible, it's the amphitheater of God's wisdom and glory shakes the heavens because the demonic figures in this world, Satan himself shudders when the church is the church, when we worship him with our lives, when we give him glory, when we do this thing, he says it doesn't just impress people of God's glory on the earthly realm, he says it impresses Satan himself. That is a powerful, powerful concept. And you may not understand who you're impacting yet, but I tell you right now, there's a reason we have an enemy and there's a reason he shudders when the church is the church when the me's love each other enough to become the we's and embrace who God has called us to be to be his workmanship his masterpiece on display in fact Paul I gotta finish it up I get excited Uh, uh, Romans 12 in the message bible says it this way he says take your everyday ordinary life you're sleeping you're eating you're going to work You're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Last thought. Our lives are a worship service to God. What's your singing? What song are you singing with your life? You think you don't have purpose. You don't think you have an impact. You don't think, man, God says, I want you to worship me. I want others to be impressed with me because of your life. By just living in my grace, by doing what I call you to do, by engaging in the family, he says you worship me with everything that you are. Father, I thank you Paul said it this way. What an incredible thought. Paul said that when the church worships, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he says, even if there is somebody there who doesn't yet know the Lord, he will fall down on his knees and say, God, he is here. You wonder as you may have come in for the first time this morning or you've been coming in on Sunday mornings. And you don't know why, but when you come, you just feel a little bit of joy. There's a little bit of happiness. There's something that just resonates. Can I tell you, that is not a message. That is not a prayer. That is not a song. That is God. He is here. And that joy doesn't have to dissipate when you walk out the door and get in your car. That joy, Scripture tells us, comes from within. When we know that we've been forgiven, when we have a relationship with God through His Son. He's inviting you. He's inviting you to step into a new reality. The old is gone. The new has come. It begins by saying, Jesus, I desperately need you and I want you. Please come into my life. Please forgive me. I don't even know that much about you, but I want you. Make me into a new person. Lead my life. I want to be part of your family. That's where it begins. You're here today. God's been speaking to you a little bit about, you're you're kind of not, you're singing a song, but it's not really bringing a whole lot of attention to him. Lord, change my life song way I'm being a husband. It's not bringing a whole lot of attention to you. That's good. Change my song toward my family, my wife. Maybe you're a a wife this morning. Lord, I'm not being, I'm not singing a very good song toward my husband or my kids. Change my song. Maybe you're a, a business leader saying, Lord, change my, change my song. I want my life song to reflect you. I want to live a life in such a way that when you see it, you just smile. Thank you. We love you today in Jesus' name. Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living